live, and in honor of going live with, might I say, our lovely camera. Yeah, I was going to say, people can see me now. People can see you now, and they can see me, Is that and I think... Low? Gotta point it at the fan. Okay, it doesn't matter. I was just making sure. <laughs> Are you sure they they won't be able to hear the fan? I don't know. L- let's sure. just be safe. Let's just be safe. Okay. We, we want you guys to have the best viewing and listening experience. And if that means turning off the camera, well, or the fan. That's what we'll do. We'll do that. We'll but sacrifice. The fan interrupted me from hitting the magical. That felt amazing in my ears. You're welcome. The bell, yeah. which it's been a while since the bell has made an appearance. It honestly has. And it's mostly my fault. <laughs> You're the one with the bell. Because <laughs> I'm the one with the bell. The, the soon-to-be, hopefully, iconic bell. Yeah, hopefully. It's iconic to us. It's iconic to us, and that's all that matters, really. Yeah. The one thing I'll point out before we jump into the fabulous movie of the day, the movie movie episode of the week. Yeah. Is our lovely set. Yeah, we're back. We're back with the set. And obviously you can see it now because you have the camera. Yeah. But we've added a few things. TJ, what exactly have we added to our collection? As the, as Thanos would say, this will make a... I'm going to butcher the quote, but this will make a fine addition to my collection. Basically is what he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you see, we simplified the pops. Uh not much going on there. Yeah. So we have Qui-Gon fighting a Xenomorph over here. Yeah. Who do you, th- who do you think would win? A Qui-Gon or a Xenomorph? Probably Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah, he has the Force. He has a laser sword. Yeah, he has a laser sword, but he also has the Force. <laughs> yeah. He has a sword that can cut through practically anything. He does, but never. still, don't underestimate the power of the Xenomorph. Yeah, I mean, if it can fight a Predator, it can fight a, can fight a Jedi. Okay, I, I will say this, though. If there was, if it was, okay, let's say Qui-Gon was in the setting that, I don't want to spoil aliens or anything, but, okay, let's just say, okay, let's just say Qui-Gon was at the end of aliens when all the alien, when all the xenomorphs are together. Yeah. Is it attacking? Is it just one or is it many? No, it's many. If if he, if Qui-Gon was fighting that many xenomorphs, who would Qui-Gon come out alive at once? He's Mm. the only one. I don't think so. It, I think it depends on the circumstances. It depends on the circumstances, but, I mean, they always do the thing in movies, right, where the logic logical thing would be every creature or human attacking an individual at once, but that never happens in movies, because yeah. it's, it's, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't, the character wouldn't live, whatever character that may be. So, only John I ask Wick. you, only John Wick, I ask you, TJ, I need to know this, this is important, there's okay. no way we're going to get to our movie, uh, <laughs> Of this episode, unless you answer this question. Okay. <laughs> if the amount of xenomorphs that were at the end of Aliens, if they those if that group attacked Qui-Gon relatively all at once, I mean, it doesn't have to be all at once. It could be two or three here, two or three there. Would Qui-Gon make it out alive? I mean, he could. I could see it. I think it'd be iffy. Um, He might get a few limbs uh kind of kachowed but yeah i think it's tough i I, I think it depends a like the i i i I think it depends yeah how many there are at once 
and like if you're in more in more of a tunnel setting or you're in more in a big open room yeah if you're in a big open room i think you could probably could chow a bunch at once but right yeah well that's the thing what he has going for him is ultimately the force because he can push a bunch of them all at once the force and then yeah like a laser sword (laughs) right but i mean if he just had the laser sword i would say he would have i would say oh yeah yeah Yeah. within minutes he'd be kachowed yeah but since he has the force he that's a good point with the force he can group up a whole bunch of them and just Okay, yeah. fine. Qui-Gon wins. That that was less interesting than I thought it would be, but whatever. <laughs> Logic. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so we have the we have some new Funkos over here. These guys are the same. We got our boy Sean Connery. The name's Bond. James Bond. And we have <laughs> Did you like my I wasn't going to try a British accent. That would have just gone terribly. I just kind of just went all yeah. stern on us, which works no, too. It works. Yeah. And we have the lovely Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. We do. And then we got a bunch of movies here as well. Got a bunch of movies. Some of our favorites. Some very iconic films. I'm currently on an Apocalypse Now high, as TJ is very much aware of. Yeah. So I had to include this one. That's why we have two war movies in here. Two war Let's movies. Go. We, we want to get a variety. So we got a TV show. We got basically the greatest cooking Move, just movie in general of all time. Yeah. In Lodge, Dutch Oven Cooking, Basics with Diane Thomas. Yeah. Which yep. I'm convinced that when David Lynch and Robert Frost, or no, not Robert Frost, what am I talking about? Who, Mark who, Frost? Mark Frost, yeah. Robert Frost is... He's not, a writer. Yeah, he's, he's a writer. A po- he's a poet. He's a poet, yeah. <laughs> um, why, I don't know. Okay, anyway, um, when they were writing Twin Peaks, I'm pretty sure when Coop was like Diane or whatever on the on the He's recorder. Talking about Diane Thomas. He's talking about Diane Thomas because Diane Thomas. I think this was made in the 80s. 80s. I want to say it must be. I'm gonna guess 80s. Anyway, does it not say on there? I don't think so. Oh yeah, but it's a thing. Yeah, so, we. But yeah, we got Twin Peaks here because we we love Twin Peaks. Love Twin Peaks. Uh, we got Fargo. I think when we rank our favorite movies of all time as if we average it out our highest one together would probably be twin peaks like if we looked at both shows? yeah that we share yeah like if we shared our rankings of tv movies or tv movies television shows our two highest averaged out that we both share like in common would be probably twin peaks yeah twin peaks seinfeld be up there oh that's true we both i think we both are under the consensus that it's the greatest sitcom of all time i like yeah yeah i um and then, I th- yeah, we might share, like, one or two more. Yeah, but mainly those two. Friends is kind of up there. That's true. We both really do like Friends. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, I'm pretty sure when they were writing the show, they thought, oh, you know the Diane, Diane that, Thomas. that Coop is talking to, that Cooper's talking to? It's it's Diane Thomas. Eventually, we find out it's not Diane Thomas, and I strictly think that's because Diane Thomas probably is dead by the time they make Twin Peaks The Return, and so they can't use Diane Thomas, plus she's too old. Yeah. That that's just my you know sort of fan fiction or theory. My interpretation, TJ. What how what would you rank that out of ten? My my deep Your, analysis there of the deep analysis. Um, my theory, a solid eight. All right, I respect. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. But as you were saying, TJ, yeah, we have all these. Yeah, we have Twin Peaks. Uh, we love it. I mean, it's Twin Peaks. How could you not? So, I mean, as far as television shows. That have that cinematic feel. Feel Twin Peaks is up there. Oh yeah, Twin Peaks. Miami Vice is kind of the OG to do that. Mm-hmm. Michael Mann produced that. What a guy, King. 
What other ones? X Files has that as well. There's there's several. Yeah, and especially in the 2000s, you get a lot of those shows. Or not a lot, but you get some more in that collection. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Fargo by the Coen Brothers, which is certified banger comedy. Uh, We got Spider Man No Way Home. Mm -hmm. Big big deal. My absolute favorite superhero movie. Yeah, TJ. I'm waiting for some one of our three listeners to jump out of a bush and attack you because of your No yeah. Way Home comments. Yeah, but my absolute love for this movie and think that it's absolutely a cinematic genius. <laughs> but you understand why it's up here, correct? Yes, okay. I understand why it's up here, and I like the movie. Right. It's just I think over people overhype it to the ends of the earth. And you have good logic in that statement, yes. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Yes, we don't need to say anything. It's literally one of the greatest war movies of all time. Yeah, 12 Angry Men, which I mean, certified banger. What I love so much about 12 Angry Men is it really introduced me to how incredible dialogue is. Yeah. And how how much dialogue can carry a film yeah. by itself. Yeah. I, it literally, literally, there's only two scenes in that movie. There's, or two, two set settings, pieces. Yeah. It's literally for five seconds when they're in the, the courtroom. Yeah, there's the courtroom, and then there's, like, the room itself, which is, like, two little rooms. Because yeah. it's, like, the, t- uh, the round table room, and then there's, like, a little bathroom. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think that's one of the same things for me, where it's, like, it's one of those movies that really introduced, like, truly just, like, how far writing can go. Like, that, and I think Before Sunrise. Uh, very different kinds of things. Right. Where one is more kind of, like, romantic kind of feel writing um that's more of like a more thriller kind of writing where it's like um it has more stakes to it which i I think is really cool if there's no action to it it's all talking which is really cool yeah agreed uh but yeah we got it's mad 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 world i i love this theory that that quentin has that i've shared with you tj He talks about it on a very popular podcast called The Rewatchables, where Nolan was inspired by It's a Mad 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 World to write Dunkirk because of how the timelines break off and come together with all these different characters, which, honestly, his logic makes sense. I think we both agree. Like, technically, there, there is there is logic to his... His, yeah. To his sense. claim. Yeah. And, and I love... That's why... So, It's a Mad 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 World... Not only is it up here because we need a comedy when we have Fargo, but this is a true comedy comedy. Yeah. Where this is more dark comedy. It's oddly cinematic for a comedy as far as a a grand scale, especially, you know, the establishing shots in the beginning of the film and other things of that nature. It's it's truly – when people say they don't make movies like they used to, I bring up this movie because they don't make comedies like this anymore. Well, I I also think it's, it's a comedy made by a guy who doesn't usually do comedies. Good point. He literally did it on a dare. Yeah. So like a critic or something said, you, you, you can't write a comedy. All you do is these dramas. He's like, watch this. Yeah. I think it's, it's, um, I guess another thing you could say was like Dr. Strangelove with like Kubrick where it's like, Inherently, Kubrick doesn't make comedy movies. Stanley Kramer doesn't make comedy movies, or mostly he doesn't. I mean, he made these. They made these, but um, like there is a a sense of like craftsmanship that you don't usually see from like a comedy movie. Um, I mean, there are caveats to that where like there are directors that are make mostly comedies, but like add artsy kind of touches, like the Coens, um. 
And there was another one. So I know there was another person I was going to say mention, but like, uh, not to, like not to that like extent where it's like, uh, it has that very like sixties like arts are like art touches, and then also sixties comedy, which like you usually don't get like a good mash of the two. Mm-hmm. And also just the the stacked cast. This one, oh has. yeah, it is, and the different generations of comedic actors that it brings together. I mean, you have a few, at least one actor in this film that literally did vaudeville. Yeah. It's, it has crazy, crazy stuff. It's, 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 it's wild. Uh, isn't there another one with like Burt Reynolds or someone that's like, kind of like this. Mm -hmm. I feel like we mentioned one that like, like a long time ago that was, I feel like I remembered it like the other day. Because I was looking up Farrah Fawcett. But we had a great viewing experience when we watched this for the first time. Yeah. With everyone. We all were laughing and... Also, I should add on, you never see stunts like this either. Yeah. (laughs) In comedies. I mean, you see it sometimes, I guess now still, but I mean, very rarely. And the the car chases and all the stuff they destroy. It's crazy. Some fantastic cameos as well. The Three Stooges are in here as the... Yeah. The firefighters when – what's the name of the actor? Who One of the actors that – what's the oh, – Mickey Rooney? Right. Him and the other guy are flying the plane and trying to land it. Debatably the best sequence in the film. That's a pretty good one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I found it. It's um, it's called The Cannonball Run. Made, That's right. And Roger Moore was in that too, I believe? Yeah, it's Burt Reynolds, uh, Dom DeLuce, Jackie Chan – Sammy Davis Jackie Jr. Chan's in it? Mm-hmm. What? Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Farrah Fawcett, Roger Moore, Peter Fonda. Damn. Uh, and there's a bunch of other, like, cameos. Another stacked cast. Yeah, there's that one, and then I think th- there's one from, like, the late 90s. It's kind of, I think it's literally, like, they they marketed it to, marketed it to be, like, uh, it's a Mad Mad World of, like, the 90s. <laughs> it's called, like, Rat Race. I never heard that one. I think one of the headliners is Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Hmm. Apparently, it's pretty good. My, I remember my parents had a copy of it like a billion years ago. Interesting, but I never watched it because I was like six. Yeah, <laughs> I was watching Labyrinth on repeat. Yes. Um, then yeah. we have Alien, which I also mean, is a movie that can speak for itself. Yeah, I iconic, mean, iconic science fiction horror film. Debatably, I don't know. Is it debatably Ridley's? It's definitely in Ridley's top three of all time. I think pretty much everyone agrees with that, right? Yeah. I think his top three, like, consistently is, like, Gladiator, Alien, and Blade Runner. Yeah. And usually people... Well, people definitely say it's his most revolutionary film. I think it definitely is his most revolutionary film. Yes. I think it is... Um, it As just, like, a the way it looks and, like, the way it feels, just... it. There's nothing I think it really feels like it beforehand. Yeah. I, I honestly don't feel like there's a lot that matches it even after. Mm-hmm. And it's it's aged incredibly well, all of the... the yeah, the effects. The and, effects and everything. Yeah. I mean, it, considering it's made in, what, 79? It came out in 79. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mix of, like, practical and, like, 70s effects still hold up really well today. And, you know, it's... It's suspense, too, is unbeatable. The way they yes. develop suspense and everything is another highlight oh, of the film. Fantastic. And it's fantastic. I need to rewatch it soon. I Well, every... You know, it's funny. There'll be some movies where immediately after you, you talk about it, you're like, oh, I got to rewatch it now. Yeah. For me, it, this is one of those. Where we ta- you start talking here. about it. Yeah, there's a feeling here I have to do that with. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And then we have, what else do we have? Dunkirk. What's, Dunkirk. It's a good Nolan movie. No, good Nolan movie. Nolan loves his, uh, his time and dealing oh, with yeah. time. I, I think it's so fascinating the way how he has those three timelines. One starts uh, one day before the end of the movie. One is one week before the end of the movie. And one is one hour before the end of the movie, I believe. Yeah. Cause it's I, something like that. I think, yeah, I think it, uh, it's like the Tom Hardy section is like an hour or t- a few hours before. It's, I think the Tom Hardy section is an hour. It says one hour. It's something at the like beginning that. of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Then, um, I think the boat section is a few days and then I think, um, the, uh, yeah, the boat is one day and the mole is a week. That would, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Cause yeah, it's, Nolan is definitely the king at managing time. I don't think that's I don't think that's controversial in any way. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Unfortunately, Tenet was well. What do you mean? It's a masterpiece. Has its issues, and we can get into that maybe at some <laughs> point down the road. But I honestly kind of want to rewatch it. I haven't thought about it since it came out. Like yeah. honestly, like truly, like sat down to think about it. But parts of me like I I remember it's pretty dumb, but also part of me is like it's honestly not as bad as I remember it being. I think, you know, us and Emerson and Austin, our two other, our two friends. Yeah. We kind of got caught up in just not necessarily hating it, but talking about all the negatives that we might have. Yeah. You I, know. I, I remember when it came out, I was definitely, I think I was the optimist of the group when it came out because I was like, listen, there are negatives, but I feel like I was the one who was just like, all right, let's be real here. It's still a cool movie. I don't think any other person could have pulled this off or at least at least tried to uh emerson was still stuck in his ways you you were pretty good about it too i was yeah yeah um and i i, I mean i saw it twice in a week and i was i, I mean both times i was flabbergasted because it's it's awesome i mean the nolan taking aside just plot issues everything else is well done oh, the aesthetic a, the it's such a cool idea yeah, and the well, first of all, talk about a technical feast. The yeah. way they managed to do all the reverse stuff and yeah, I mean, like as, as dumb as like the ending kind of is with like the the pincer movement and like how much you can make fun of it. It's still cool. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can't say that. Like the way that like they just like they they coordinate two battle scenes. One's moving forwards and one's moving backwards. It's so there's something so like weirdly genius about it. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. Next up, we have our boy, our boy, Daniel Craig, James Bond. Yeah. The best James Bond of all time. Not the most iconic. There's a difference, people. The most iconic is Sean Connery. Definitely the best, though. Best, The best actor we've had playing a Bond character. And I think, and Sean Connery's, yeah, Sean Connery's second in that regard. I, I, I think so. so. But, I mean, what more can you say? Some of the best critical, critically responded to Bond movies and just just best Bond movies start to finish in general. I'm particularly talking about Skyfall, Casino Royale. And I'm a big... I'm higher on No Time to Die than a lot of people, I think. Oh, No, no Time to Die is great. It is. I can't remember the critical response to that. It's, pre- it's pretty high. It was pretty high. Yeah. It, the critiques come from the fact that people responded to the movie as... Oh, well, I thought with Daniel Craig, you were going to just kind of make it more realistic yeah. and toned down. And then you have no time to die, which is just basically, 
I harp on this a lot, is essentially a Sean Connery Bond movie, but in the present day. Yeah, it has, well, it, 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 even, like... Or I guess, or, hold on, sorry, real quickly, to rephrase what I'm saying, the later Sean Connery movies, such as Goldfinger yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, it, it feels, some parts of the plot feel ridiculous, like, in, like, terms of, like, a big evil plan kind of thing. Right. But also, like, there's part of it that just, like, um, it, there's, there's, like, a tone shift. Uh, where it, it adds kind of more comedy, but also gets, uh, like, but it also, it also like levels itself out where it's like, they don't, it, it's not, it's a lot of the other Daniel Craig's of that time don't really go for like kind of jokes. So it's like, it's interesting. One thing I'm really interested about, and I was going to bring this, bring this up in Sauna Sunday and maybe I will, I'll just mention it briefly. I am really intrigued when I rewatch Skyfall, because I have heard some people talk about how amazing that film is, and it is a great film, but I always I always thought Casino Royale, well, I came around to thinking Casino Royale was it's better, because I think I rewatched it more recently, but I'm interested, because I, for a while I had Skyfall as, I thought it was better than Casino, but I'm interesting when I rewatch it if I think, if I switch back to my original stance. Yeah, I mean, Skyfall is fantastic. I think, uh, I've always liked Casino more. I think Casino's always been top three if not my favorite mm -hmm. um but i mean i will i mean i watched skyfall a while after i watched casino and i think it's even after like multiple rewatches of casino i thought skyfall held up really well um i think it has the best villain performance of any bond villain ever oh yeah um it's definitely <laughs> Javier bardem is incredible he's really good um yeah i i i I'd say that's pretty fair. I and I I think like as a movie it's it's simple but it's also like um it has a, it has a different like feel where it feels more it feels a little more straightforward but there's nothing wrong with that. It's like there's a shift change that's really cool. I I don't know. And to cap our conversation on this here collection, I would say that my biggest takeaway and what I love the well, not necessarily biggest takeaway, but what I love the most is the fact that they just have decided to finally go do a linear yeah. film sequence with a Bond actor. Oh, it's so Which cool. is great, because it was much needed. Yeah. And then we have Rogue One. Fantastic. A lot of people consider it the best Star Wars movie of all time. Blade Runner. My favorite, or do you, th do you not think so? Uh, I, for Star Wars? I, I've, there's a lot of people that consider this, at to least be, from what I'm aware of. To be the best? To be the best, or at least their favorite. Okay, yeah, I think I think for now, like, I think it is a lot of people's modern favorite. I think, and and I can see being like per, personal favorite, but I think ca calling it the best is a little bit of a stretch. Oh, you oh you still think that a lot majority think it's Empire? I I, I think, yeah, I think nothing beats the classics. Yeah, um, I've always liked this the original Star Wars the most, like the original three. Agreed. Um, and I don't think anything trumps those. So um, I do think this it's the the one, that and Revenge of the Sith are the, the next two, like the next phase, I think, of like my favorites. But I think calling it the best is a little bit of a stretch, at least okay. in my opinion. Okay. I don't know, that's just me. All right, moving on, we have Blade Runner. The original cut, first of all, I should clarify. 
my favorite movie of all time. Classic, cult classic science fiction film, Harrison Ford. Honestly, sneakily, he's a top five actor, top five favorite actor of mine. I was randomly curating a top five list and Harrison Ford randomly snuck in there. His, his filmography, I was also paying attention to filmographies and his and Tom Cruise stuck out to me. Oh, they're fantastic. They are diverse and as TJ mentioned, fantastic variety of films. I mean, you can just rattle. I mean, The Fugitive, Witness, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. He plays frickin' Jack Ryan. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, he, he, well, I mean, like, he's such, like, a, he was such a big name at the time. And he has, like, such, like, like, charisma. It's hard not to love him. But, and then it's just, like, and then you realize just how much he has. And you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's insanity. It is. His... What would have been 80s run is... Yeah, like late 70s to like... I'd say like even like to 90s is really good. Top three of of, of, of the actors of the time? I would say so. Oh, I'd say definitely. I mean, I don't know what Cruz... Cruz had, you know... Cruz, Cruz had the color of money. Yeah, Tom Cruise... Top Gun. Was, Tom Cruise was like mid 80s to like... Uh, I'd say like early 2000s was like his first big run because it was like more of his dramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes into being being more of an action star towards the end of that uh, stretch. So I would I would say you you probably could put Harrison Ford having the best run as far as movies are concerned of the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And then we have Prisoners, which I can't speak of because I haven't watched it. Depression, but TJ. Yeah. Great movie. Um, it uh, it's by Denis Villeneuve. Um, Twenty thirteen, I think. Uh, I think the same year is the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, Enemy. Okay. Um, I wish they came out the same year. Um, I think it is one of my favorites by him. I think, um, no, it is is not as big scale as Dune in twenty forty nine, but I think the intrigue and the mystery are like, it, it, it's like so just like good and just like they're such good um, acting and it has an amazing cast to it. Um, cause you got like Paul Dano and Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman and, uh, Terrence Howard and I'm forgetting everyone else, but there's, it's like consecutively like absolutely amazing. This for, this for a while has been on my top of the watch watch list. Definitely. And then lastly we have, which I've already harped on (laughs) the wonderful lodge Dutch oven cooking basics with Diane Thomas, which again, I've already Mentioned my theory on Diane Thomas and her relation to Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. I don't think we need to go any farther there. Yeah. And I think that's it. Oh, and then I have a little Easter egg here. We got the Magnum P.I. car. Yeah. My favorite television show of all time. The new Magnum P.I. got canceled because guess what? The main actor doesn't have the charisma that Tom does. How Just long saying. did it go for? Uh, four seasons. Did it really? Mm-hmm. My God. It's a shame. Nothing against Jay Hernandez. But, I mean, you're dealing with an absurdly iconic TV uh, character. Yeah. And an actor that was very, had a ton of charisma and very unique in in TV culture and TV shows. So it was already hard to do. And, yeah. Anyway, that is that. that. We won't show you over here because it's not ready yet. It's not going in. Well, well, what? It says it's not clean yet. Well, it's not clean, but it's not ready. Yet. Well, same thing. Yeah. 
we'll show it to you once we have some guests on the couch. We have a couch now. Well, you know we have a couch now because we probably we've talked about it. What? So we've always had a couch in here. Well, I know, but yeah, because we've had guests here. So yeah. we'll eventually show you that once we have some guests over. But I think now is the perfect time to transition. You, you good, sir? Yeah. TJ was taking his anger out on the yeah. on the table because Val because people are saying Val Kilmer is not the best Batman. Oh, of course. Which that is the transition. We are moving to Batman Forever, Forever with Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell. Oh, Chris O'Donnell. Oddly a stacked cast, I guess, in a certain sense, but didn't necessarily transition to the screen. I guess. What are you talking about? I love this movie. <laughs> TJ, what is... Well, first of all, we should give them the overall context for choosing this film because some out there might be wondering, out of all the films in the world, why why did why you did choose Batman Forever? And my response to that would be, well, we're on a tight schedule, and TJ and I, we randomly sat down, what was it, last... Tuesday. Tuesday. To watch a flick, watch a film, watch a flick. I haven't, yeah. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, uh, I don't know where that came from. We picked Batman Forever. And we Forever. picked Batman Forever, so we decided, what the hell? Let's talk about it for the episode, for the movie of the week episode. Yeah. So here we are Watching. talking about it. What are your overall thoughts, TJ? Is there something that, you know, in pop culture that you want to point out or uh, yeah, um... about the movie? I'll just give, like, my overall opinion real quick. Um, but I, don't – sorry. Before – I, I want to set some rules here. I'm going to contain you. Oh. <laughs> don't – just go surface level because I have That's some stuff in here. Do. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, I hadn't seen this in seven or eight years. Probably more than that. It has been a hot minute since I've seen this movie. Um, I just know – I think it was one of the first, if not the first, Batman movie I think I've ever watched. Interesting. All right, we had this conversation. Yeah, at least, or at least like ones that I remembered. Like I know I watched um, the '60s movie as a kid like once. I didn't remember it until like I watched it again later, and I was like, "Oh, I've definitely seen this before as a kid." But the, uh, this was like the first one I remember watching in like seventh grade. Uh, that this and Batman and Robin, were the first two I watched. Uh, honestly, I kind of enjoyed this movie as a movie whatever give or take it it has its moments um but i will say i mean it does have its problems a lot of problems um and i don't think it matches up to like the burton movies like i think they those are like consistently better um but i will say i liked it more than rush hour three which we watched like two days before I would agree. I don't want to jump on Rush Hour 3 right now because we're talking about Batman, but the one thing I'll mention is, and I actually kind of like this movie. This is a hint for things to come we're talking about. Rush Hour 3 opened to promise. Yes. I loved how unfiltered, what's his name? Chris uh, Carter, right? Or Chris no, Tucker? not Chris, Chris, yeah, Chris Carter's a football player. Chris Tucker was how unfiltered his character was. Yeah. In the opening, and I thought, and you had the iconic scene where you are, or yeah, you're talking yeah. about the, oh, I'm me, 
it, it had that iconic scene and it gave me hope for the rest of the film because yeah. I thought the they could have continued with that quality in the in the jokes and everything, but yeah, it didn't live up to the other the other two. For me, I think from the opening I was like, I don't like this that much. Oh, really? From the opening? Yeah, I think from the first like fifteen minutes, I was just like, I don't like this. Interesting. It was like it was funny and Chris Tucker was being Chris Tucker, but like the action felt different. It felt more tame. Yeah. Um, it it just didn't. It it felt a little. It felt, it just felt like it was like trying to be a two thousands comedy, mm. more than it was trying to be a rush hour movie. And sometimes that was really funny, and sometimes it was really dumb. <laughs> and I was just like, and then there were, and then it kind of just kept going, and I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I, I did. I enjoyed it though, but I think I was right. just like, I definitely don't like this that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ditto to what you're saying. I my hope lasted a little longer, but yes, I mostly agree. I basically agree with what you said. Back to our movie, Batman Forever. Yeah. I, you know, oddly enough, the opening had me gave me hope because this was my first time watching this film. I am a huge Batman fan. I, you know, he is my favorite. It depends on the day. I've said this before. It's either him or Spider Man. That's yeah. my favorite superhero of all time. And I was very optimistic, especially after watching the opening, because it had a lot of action to it. Yeah. Had some comedy. And I thought the the pe- the set pieces were actually quite cool, especially yeah. nowadays when a lot of that would be CG. Yeah. And there was um, some obviously CG effects, I think, in there. Oh yeah. But it but I'm talking about the vault. Right, the yeah, a lot of that was looked very. It looks very practical. It's very practical, and I and that gave me some hope for the rest of the film because going in, I knew that people hated on this film. Yeah, they're uh, it's it's a very iffy movie. It's a very iffy movie, but once that first opening sequence happened, despite the random Nicole Kidman Batman sort of dialogue that yes. felt very out of place, <laughs> besides that. It had me very optimistic for what would continue. Yeah. But then I slowly started to realize why people are not a fan of this film. And again, for good reason. It, yeah. It, uh, the opening of this one is it's actually pretty fun. Like you can tell off the bat that it's by different people or like a different director. It's um, definitely, it's definitely not Tim Burton. Yes. It's, <laughs> uh, it's produced by Tim Burton, but, um, you can tell immediately that someone new, aka Joel Schumacher, the new director, got his hands on it because everything, we're, like everything that like makes Tim Burton's Gotham Gotham, uh, is immediately wiped away. Because um, like his thing is like it's very dark and grungy. It's it's very similar to like uh, Matt Reeves's, where it's like not a lot of light, but like uh, there's also like Tim Burton architecture in his. Where it's like weird buildings, but also it's it's like gothic. Uh, this movie, in terms of Batman Forever, lots of color <laughs> immediately. Lots of like just neon, green, pink, purple, whatever. And it's just like... Well, yeah, I... Again, what you kind of hinted at your reaction. My reaction, at least at first, was I was... I was actually... I was actually pleased with that because... Yeah. 
It they, doesn't look bad, but it, it's just like compared to everything else. It's just like it's it's such like a difference. No, I didn't think it was bad either. I thought they managed it well, and yeah, oddly enough, it was sort of refreshing. Nothing yes. against Tim Burton's Batman movies. I love them. Yeah. The first Batman is in my top three Batman movies of all time. But it there is a sense of of having the, a, a nice refresh yeah, with it, the it's, scenery. It's different. Uh, it's different. Yeah. Um. Not. I was gonna say it's not a bad thing. It's just like it's it, it's very different than every other take on Gotham. Where every other ta- take on Gotham, it's grungy. It's darker. No matter if you're watching Batman Begins, the Batman, like all those, other than like the '60s and the Joel Schumacher movies, they're not colorful. Uh, but this this movie, it's very colorful and like it's cool looking. But it's just like if you don't remember, it's it's it kind of, it can t- either take you off guard for a second. You're like this is Gotham City, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I mean nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. The other thing I'll mention is. We forgot to check the camera, mm. and we are seven minutes over. Ah, so that is an issue. I will go. I will. We'll take a quick break. We'll come Beautiful. back, and things will be all good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, we're back. We're back. Back to our very lively Batman Forever talk. Batman Forever talk. I'm talking about the as we we ended oh, yeah. with the color palette. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the beginning, I would say for the first actually fourth, I was pleased with where it was going. Yeah. And I didn't think it was too much, but it added some nice flavor to it. I really liked anytime you have a combination of I don't know what it is for me. Purples and reds together. <laughs> they have this in yeah. Top Gun when in the opening when there's the guys on the aircraft carrier and okay, it's yeah, that yeah. opening with, with Tom and everything with Maverick. Anytime you have that combination of colors, I don't know what it is. And it's pinks so cool. too. It just immediately grabs me. I, I, I'm in, I don't care what it is. I am locked in and ready. Yeah. And this had that. It was, it was, yeah, it was just a, ple- it was, it was a pleasure to, to see that. And just, it felt like, it just felt like a nice opening. I, I could really grapple what was going on and kind of understand. And I also like it because it 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 showed us, guys, this is not Michael Keaton. This yeah, it, this is not Michael Keaton's Batman. This is I guess I guess they were trying to be somewhat similar still, but guys, this is a different movie. Yeah, it it, it it's very much not Tim Burton, what you've known so far. It's And they literally just blatantly show that right at the beginning. They're not even trying there's no copycat that's trying yeah, to go, it's, go on yeah like uh it's it, like the first like minute is kind of like maybe this could be it and then it's just like they meet like the first lines of the movie are a joke and it's just like this immediately does not feel like michael keaton that's a good point the dialogue is not very good in this film what are you talking about <laughs> oh my god it's so good it, um, that is a clear drop off yeah it, it it's Actually, I even this. even on the bad parts of the film, it still feel like it still feels like the dialogue is is creating hiccups. Oh yeah, <laughs> in it. I, I mentioned the awkward Nicole Kidman moment. Not yeah. only does it make no sense with how the action is unfolding in the opening, it also the dialogue itself just also makes no sense. It feels like 
Yeah. Uh, how, uh, what's going on? It feels, t- it does, yeah, it just, it's, it's very unsettling in that regard. And oh, it continues throughout the film with the two of them. It's, I, one thing I have an issue with in the film is it, they just, the, the film just throws both of them at you and says, Hey, they have chemistry when there was really no chemistry established in the first place. Yeah. It's just Nicole Kidman. Oh, I love Batman. And I guess that's why I have chemistry with him, but not really. You don't have chemistry with him. It's kind of unfortunate, I guess, too, for this film, because you're literally going right after Batman Returns, which has a fantastic chemistry between Michelle Pfeiffer yeah, and Michael like Keaton. Keaton. That's it's almost bleeding off the screen with when the, when they're together. It's 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 very vivid. So seeing these two come right after does not help. And and also I, I won't leave it just to them, but also the dialogue doesn't help with trying to form chemistry because it's just it's clunky. It's very Oh, oh uh, I got the writer of the movie up. Okay. Uh, the guy who wrote this wrote A Beautiful Mind. Best picture winner. Yeah. I Am Legend, The Da Vinci Code, I, Robot, uh, The Da Vinci Code sequel, uh, A Time to Kill, which is another Joel Schumacher movie, The Client, which is another Joel Schumacher movie, the last two are court movies, I think, Cinderella Man, another Ron Howard movie. Uh, Practical Magic, which I've heard is very popular. Then a lot of not good movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Transformers 5. Okay. Um, The Fifth Wave, The Third Ring movie, uh, The Lost in Space movie with is it Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman and uh, Matthew LeBlanc. Interesting. The Dark Tower. Our guy Joey. Yeah. He's he's all over the map. Sometimes he's made absolute classics, and sometimes he's made absolute garbage. The one thing you can say, though, is he's made a lot of money. Yeah, he's made a lot of popular. <laughs> I mean... He's gotten himself a lot of work. Yeah. And he's going to write another Transformers movie, it looks like. Oh, is is he writing the, the kind of 80s I, it Transformers, just Transformers design movie? Optimus Prime. Huh. Uh, and then another I Am Legend movie. And I think he has two more set up. Interesting. When has Tom Hanks? Huh. What did you think... What are your thoughts on the the whole design? The the set design of, of, the, of the whole Batcave and things of that nature? Um... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think... It's it was very, quite wacky still, but yes. in a different way. <laughs> uh, if we're talking the Batcave, it's very simple. The Batcave itself isn't honestly that anything too fancy. I mean, it's two little areas and the car area. Like, it's, yeah, it's nothing too special. Very standard. Yeah, it's it's very, it's like, it's kind of basic looking. Um, But it looks, it looks good. Um, But like a lot of the other set design... It's very interesting. Like Two Faces House. Um and like the end And the whole 
J- Jim Carrey's the Riddler's character's sort island. of fortress yeah, so house. That's, that's what I was about to say. Is the island at the end, <laughs> or, or or yeah, or his his house at like the beginning half of the movie. Oh yeah, or his apartment. Yeah. Like it's it's very like six TV monitors, but they're all at angles, and it looks like mm-hmm. they're all like hanging off a tree. It's really weird. <laughs> I will say, but it's, uh, it, it, it it it's it's cool in its own. That way. one I didn't. I see where you're coming from, and there is some truth to that. But I didn't actually... I was actually more intrigued by that yeah. s- uh, set piece than confused and... Well, it, it's not like confusion, but it, it's like, it's just wacky. It, it's out there. It's it's not... It, it's not... Um, It's just bizarre. I guess I should frame it as that one actually kind of felt normal given the circumstances... With the Riddler character, yeah. because it's, I mean, the Riddler character is, does have that kind of vibe. I mean, we see it with Paul Dano's yeah. apartment, or Paul Tano's The Riddler's apartment. Well, I honestly well, did kind of see some well, sort like, of similarities, if that's. But, like, his is still, it. it's it's very much, Paul Dano's is, like, the apartment from Seven. Where it's it's dark, and it's grungy, and it's weird, but it's, like, psycho killer weird. His is just like, it looks like something out of like the, or Jim Carrey's looks like, it, it looks like something out of the Tim Burton Willy Wonka movie. Where it, it, or like something like that, where it's like the walls are all angular and weird. It doesn't feel like an apartment. It, 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 it it's, it's just like, it's, a th- it's, how do I say this? It, it, it's it's weird, wacky, like the rest of the movie, but it's like it's more low key. Well, and I think it fits his character. Yes, more it, than it, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like, it's still like very bizarre compared to like everything else. Because like, I mean, Catwoman's apartment isn't like that, and I mean, it's very. I don't know. I yeah. It's no, I I agree. I, I see what you're saying. Taking that away, the Bat Cave away, it's mostly again Two Faces House. Two Faces House is something else. And the Riddler, you know, his and Jim Character's characters sort of fortress house combination is weird. Yeah. And feels janky and it it takes you away. It's those set pieces really take you away from the illusion that kind of films are supposed to create and you start wondering and then you start and those are the set pieces that also help you realize okay so this is why yeah the film is made fun of and isn't regarded as a better batman movie yeah 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 it's it's something it is something what did you think of the batmobile design in this one i was not a fan um Honestly, I mean, I I don't think it's that much different than the old ones. Uh, than the old one, other than like the back. I think it's the, more cylindrical, though. I Isn't remember, it? It's, I don't remember the front looking. I just remember the back is, oh, the bat. The, I mean, the back has more of a bat wing. Yeah. Um, Whereas, but I thought the front kind of looks. Michael insane. Keaton's is more defined, and I guess angu- angular. I mean, it's still. Yeah, it's more. But Michael Keaton seems to be more angular, wall, more defined wall. Oh yeah, okay. I, I remember this. Yeah, it's more cylindrical. Um, 
which I was not a fan of. And there was there's ten, there's hints of blue in it too, isn't there? Yeah, there's uh blue on the sides and in the front. Yeah, I wasn't that didn't strike me. I was not a fan of it. It looks kind of cool, but also not that cool. I like Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton's is way better. It looks like it, I, I mean, it looks very similar to Michael Keaton's in that like it has kind of like the base shape of it, but like and then they they did the same thing that they kind of did with a lot of the other colors and where they just were like add color somewhere. I mean, Michael Keaton's Batmobile is more similar to the Batman animated shows Batmobile than. Well, yeah, those those movies inspired the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, the, I mean, it's before, so. Mm. And um, it they kind of it it's it's very much like a, uh, Tim Burton esque kind of look. For, like, or at least like for the movie, like those movies look like they inspire a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Eighty nine Batmobile. So, so your take on the on the new on not the new Batmobile on Val Kilmer's Bat. Batmobile is it's fine. Yeah, I don't hate it. Okay, I think yeah. I mean, where this one's all like where when Michael Keaton's is all black and it's cool, and it it it's it's very like. I mean, look at it; it's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, his is more uh, color and it's fancy and uh, there's like I mean there's like bats in the. In the wheelbase. Yeah, it looks more gimmicky. It does. To me. Yeah. It looks more goofy. It looks like a torpedo that they stuck wheels on and weird wheel belt, like bait, like weird wheel wells that like look like bridges. Adam like, West's Robin, if he saw that, would say, holy heart attack, Batman. What the hell is that? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, I think you would say the same thing for George Clooney's <laughs> bat suit as well. Hmm. I, you could say that about the whole movie <laughs> that's true that's a good point you haven't even seen it <laughs> one thing that I was actually pleased about from beginning to end is Val Kilmer as the Batman yeah I think the, I, I think a lot of the acting is decent I think the acting most of the acting in this movie is decently kind of acceptable <laughs> Yes, on a lower on a lower level, I had this issue with Pierce the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. You have a, a good actor, yeah. and he plays as far from an acting perspective, it's plays decent. that character pretty decent. But the problem is when you're met with poor dialogue, it doesn't help. It very few actors can carry a film that has poor dialogue. That's oh, yeah. just bottom line, and. I feel like if Val Kilmer actually had suitable dialogue, he would have been talked about in a higher light and with the movie overall. Yeah. um, I actually, Val Kilmer, sorry, you you go ahead. Yeah. I think the best thing I can relate this to is um, X-Men Origins Wolverine in the sense that um, in the grand scheme of things, great actors leading it. Um, It has some, very good talent behind it. Um, writing wise, it's an absolute joke. And, um, but you can tell that the people behind it are trying to carry it in a very new fashion. Um, where X-Men origins is it. And I, I like with X-Men origins, like Hugh Jackman and Leo Scriber, actually actually pretty good in that. I, I'll give them that. 
I mean, the dialogue is absolute shit, but um, uh, they're actually pretty decent, and they're, everyone else is just funny bad. That whole movie is an absolute ball. I need to get into the X Men X Men movies. I haven't seen a single one actually. For shame. Okay. I know. Um, yeah, I oh dude, I love them. There's, there's some really good ones. Like I love Days of Future Past and uh, Logan and stuff like that. Regardless. Um, kind of like bringing that back is like this movie has that where it's like some of the dialogue is just like it's bad, it's bad, bad. Um, but there's like charm to it, and uh, you can tell that the people behind it are kind of trying to make it something decently acceptable. Uh, Val Kilmer and I think Jim Carrey, especially, I think they kind of carry that energy. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is something else though (laughs) that was probably my biggest casting issue (laughs) and it's partially my own fault i guess because when i look at tom lee jones i think of a a policeman or you know a u.s marshal sheriff yeah a, a very straightforward figure basically i'm saying this because of the fugitive and no country yeah but i just and another thing that's weird about Tommy Lee Jones for me is he's one of those actors where no matter how old he is, I just think he's old. <laughs> yeah, he, he always looks like that, yeah. It's no a, matter it's, how young he is, like I Paul just Rose think... being young. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just think, okay, that dude has been in his 50s for <laughs> 20 years. Yeah, pretty much. So that doesn't translate well to, to the Two-Faced character. And some of his... <laughs> Some of his reactions to the thing that Jim Carrey says is oh, feels hilarious. He feels he he feels like an alien that's trying to adapt to human culture, to to the way humans speak yes. and laugh and talk. He is an <laughs> That's alien. what he looks like cuz he does it in a very poor manner. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just I it's guess art. it's an experience, man. It's art. Yeah. Yeah, um he's definitely the most interesting performance in this movie um yeah because i mean val kilmer is doing val kilmer things he, he's he's pretty good um jim carrey is jim carrey he, he literally i have this in my notes i still believe after watching the film he was the perfect casting for the riddler yes for and that version for of that the for that version of the riddler oh, and fantastic. that time the 90s where oh, yeah. jim carrey is at his peak it's it was a perfect casting. It yeah he's, I mean he's, it's Jim Carrey. How can you go wrong with like especially for that time like someone who's absolutely off the wall goofy. <laughs> yes, Jim Carrey is the man for that. I think in any decade. Um, I mean Chris O'Donnell is okay. He's yeah, okay. I felt like I felt he was more of a honestly showpiece in the sense that he didn't do anything he didn't do anything and i feel i feel like joe schumacher wanted him there just to not necessarily calm down the audience but let the audience know oh yeah you know robin is still here robin is still here i feel like he he felt like kind of in a last minute edition sometimes yeah or at least like well i mean i think they they originally said this movie's like the original kind of this movie was like two and a half hours long right it was 240 240 i believe so they cut like 30 or 40 minutes off of this movie. And I feel like a lot of that must have been Robin time because 
he is severely underdeveloped for a long time in this movie. One thing I wish DVD sets and Blu-ray sets, 4K sets would do is just naturally include a director's cut. Because I, yeah. I find those very interesting. Well, that, that that's one thing that um, has been talked about recently, where it's like with um, the release of like the Snyder Cut and all that. Um, I mean, the Suicide Squad movie is get like people are behind that. But uh, what I've seen uh, like kind of more low key is talked about Batman Forever. Really, I have seen a few of those where I'm like, you know, that's interesting. I'd, I'd be down. I'd watch it. Yeah, and um. Or like, like, kind of like, see some of that original stuff because apparently, originally, some parts of it were a lot different too. Like, it was a lot darker. Um, because like, I think we talked about it. Like, they had like a whole different opening, and um, they had like weird, vi- like humanoid bat things, and it was just like, like super weird stuff. But like, that never made it into the final product. That like would have made it definitely interesting. I mean. We didn't get the H.R. Giger Batmobile, but whatever. Oh my gosh. Look that up. Yeah. So um, for those who don't know who H.R. Giger is, uh, he's the guy who designed the Zetomorph and Alien. Uh, and he's a well-known artist who um, makes really weird, like, uh, demon-esque kind of um, artwork. Super well done. I mean... He's, I mean, he's a, he's a classic artist for a reason. Uh, but I don't know why they asked him to do stuff for this movie, but he submitted a concept art for the, uh, for the Batmobile and oh my God, it, it's something. It scarred me. <laughs> it scars me. It, like in concept, if it wasn't Batman and like, it was more of like a weird sci-fi thing. Oh my God. It would have been so cool looking. But for a Batman movie, it makes no sense. <laughs> After I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that you showed me this yeah. this creation that this guy made because whenever I think of the Val Kilmer movie, I'll think of that Batmobile because it literally there is nothing like it. Yeah, it's something. Just else. just look it up. It's, it's oh, it's fantastic. You'll understand why my brain is just mush right now because put it up on screen (laughs) well i don't want to get copyright issues otherwise i would that's fair enough but instead bit crush my voice (laughs) right now here instead of putting it on screen i will give you my best interpretation of what it looks like of well not what it looks okay of my reaction to, I will, I will let you know what my original reaction to this vehicle was. Yeah, it was depression. It was, it was good though. I, I just had one of those stare off to nowhere, stare off into nothing. Just yeah. Very rarely do I see that from you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was basically speechless, yeah. and not for a good reason. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think we covered a lot. the The only other thing I'll mention, which I hinted at, was Nicole Kidman. Oh, she's something in this movie. She's something, and a decent amount of it is not her fault. Again, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. the dialogue, and also 
just the way this movie was plotted because she was there for the classic, you know, damsel in distress for Batman. Yeah. Because that's, I guess, what you need to have in Batman movies, which is okay, I guess, but just actually make it meaningful, have her do something else besides having, being a damsel in distress and also just having terrible, terrible dialogue to ruin the almost non-existent chemistry between her and Val Kilmer, Batman, and the she plays a therapist. Yeah. It was just not there. There's a whole, again, as I've just listed, a whole assortment of things that makes, that ruins that whole dealio. But, yeah. It's... it's and it, right from the get-go, too, immediately you knew from the opening scene, okay, this is not... <laughs> This isn't. This normal. is not going to go well. You're not a Michelle Pfeiffer Batman chemistry type of person, or a who's the original girl in in the Batman? Oh, the first Batman. Yeah. Um, Why am I thinking Robin Wright? Is that correct? No, it's Kim Basinger. Oh, Kim Basinger. That's right. Why was I thinking Robin Wright? I don't know. Anyway, or her and Michael Keaton's character. I was just again. It met the response that all these other people, these Batman fans and and moviegoers had of this film. It just it it met that. Yeah. Finishing up, TJ, where we talked about both our, our intrigue for Val Kilmer as yeah. Batman. Where do you rank him roughly among the Batman? Um Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't... Well, are, are we talking, like, just Batman? Or are we talking, like, Bruce Wayne in there, too? Or, like... Well, that's a good point. Yeah, it, incorporate it, both of them. Okay. If it's both together, uh, I might put him, like, near the middle. Because I think, although he does... He only has one movie... And yes, it's goofy. Uh, I think him as Bruce Wayne, in my honest opinion, it's one of the best. I uh, I think he has the look. He definitely has that. The um, he has the, the unspoken charm. Yes, he he has the look and the charm, and like he just looks like he could play a Bruce Wayne type. Uh, especially like he when, he when pulls he off fancy. the rich playboy yes persona. Yeah, he. They take, like, the look of, like, what they do with him in, um, like, Batman 89 with Michael Keaton, but it looks more Playboy philanthropist kind of look. You do bring a good point. Honestly, he pulls off, at least from a superficial perspective. Like the fancy rich guy? Really well. He plays it off better than Michael Keaton does. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like the, the one scene where he's, like, interview or, like, going through his, like, lab at his building and he meets Jim Carrey. Like, the, uh, the way he, like, carries himself through that scene is really cool. Um, and I think as Batman, he's he's still pretty good. He kind of carries that, like, Michael Keaton energy uh, that I think is really well done. Again, I hate this. We have two missed opportunities in the 90s we have so far that I've come up with. We have Val Kilmer not getting good dialogue. Yeah. And we have Pierce Brosnan not getting great movies besides Goldeneye, really. Yeah, for... Mr. Bond. And even and even with Goldeneye, the dialogue is still can be lackluster with him for him. 
Yeah, it's it's very nineties. Yeah. Is the best way to describe it. Gosh darn it, nineties people. You should have got your act together. Come on. It was a it was a very different time. <laughs> That's true. Fortunately we still got good movies. Yeah. Fortunately. We got Michael Keaton. Yeah. In the second Batman movie. Um and other things of that nature. Yeah. Um though I will say though, I've never seen Superman three, but I think this one holds up better than Superman three. Mm. And the fact that I think people actually remember this movie or people don't remember the last few Superman movies to me. And I think part of that has to do with this Val Kilmer mystique. Yeah. Because he, he's always been a fascinating actor to me. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he's Val Kilmer. He's Val Kilmer. He's been in some iconic movies, Top Gun, Heat, this film. Yeah. But it, to me at least, it felt like he could have gone farther than he actually went. Yeah. there. I feel like there was more potential to him around the 80s and 90s that he didn't get that I wish he did. Yeah. And I think it is that mystique and intrigue that kind of holds up this film. And yeah. And I am... I don't know. There's very few actors that I have that fascination with. Yeah. And I just watched Top Gun. He's he's great in Top Gun. He does a nice job playing sort of the kind of poisonous and sort of that the blonde-haired sort of evil guy that you'll always see in a film. You know, Johnny Lawrence, um, William Zebka is his name? Mm-hmm. Zebka? Yeah. He's, he was kind of like the OG to establish that, sort of the blonde-haired oh, yeah. oh, anti- antagonist. Yeah. And Val Kilmer does that well in Top Gun. I have, I have to watch Top Gun again. It's been a while. Dude. I, well, yeah, you'll have to rewatch it for, uh, yeah, the new, for a new one, yeah. which we're both going to together with yeah. my abnormal, abnormally tall brother. Yeah. <laughs> but but back to my little spiel here, I guess resolve, finishing it up is, yeah, I, I just, I really, there's very few actors that get me in that way. In fact, he might be one of, might be the only actor for me that has that feel. I have that feel towards. Yeah, I think there's like there's. It's very interesting for this movie because like in the grand scheme of things, it shouldn't be as well remembered as it should be. Because I think, I mean, as a whole, it's not as well liked. It's 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 dumb. It's 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 like camp it's it's weird and campy like, like and it's a series that wasn't campy and weird to begin with but like i think that's the thing with like the later batman movies is like there's this weird intrigue about them with like where um with forever it's like with val kilmer and it's like the introduction of robin and jim carrey and stuff like that it's just like this movie's like weirdly good like well it put like put together but the batman and robin i mean it's batman and robin it's like one of the best bad movies ever. Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean by well put together? I mean, like it pulls in a new, like a famous new director at the time. And like it, 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 it should be like in the grand scheme of things, it should be like better than like, I think it came out to be. And I think that's part of the reason why, like why people, there's like this intrigue of like, I think well, like or at least that I've seen, it's like what went wrong. Like you have, okay. such, you have such good people behind it. You have an all all star cast. You have a, a director who's like made banger movies. I mean, The Lost Boys is one of the best cult movies ever. It's 
and like stuff like that. Like, and you get a guy who did like a bunch of did like good like court dramas and stuff. The camera turned off again, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Continue with your spiel. <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Where it's like, um, but uh, where was I going with that? Uh. In the end, I guess. It just um, had the potential. It has potential. And, yeah, where uh, pe- people remember Batman and Robin because it's, like, really shitty. But that's why people love it. Uh, I guess that's why, pe- why people remember the later Batman movies more than, like, uh, the later Superman movies. Whereas, like, the first two Superman movies are classic. You get Terrence Stamp as Zod. You get Marlon Brando. Um... Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, like all these big names doing big name things. And they're really well put together. Richard Donner does a fantastic job with the first Superman. Um, he is a Richard Donner man. He knew how to handle blockbuster movies. Oh yeah. He, he's a OG blockbuster King. Yeah. Um, however, the super, like the three and four for Superman are barely remembered. Four, I think, is more so than three. I think three is like the least popular, which is weird because it has like, like they add Richard Pryor, who was like really big at the time. Yeah, but the movie sucks, so no one cares. Interesting. <laughs> and then four is like funny because it's like nuclear man. Okay, and they fight on the moon. It it looks like a like a fake sixties B movie set. Okay, it's so funny. Um, the quest for peace is awful, but right. I haven't watched it all the way through. Um, but like there's something about like the later Batman movies that are just like so bad, but so memorable. I don't know. There's no way of replicating it. I think, and I think that is a good ending note. Uh, we both kind of put some pieces in there. It's man, Val Kilmer. What, what a guy. Oh, I guess I should mention, cause I didn't include this. I would agree. I would say, I would say middle of the pack as well. Yeah. Like I like him more than Ben Affleck. Agreed. And George Clooney. <laughs> yes, agreed. The Batfleck fans are going to attack us. I, I mean, I don't hate Batfleck, but I'm trying to find him. Where are they come? Where are they come from? I think, um, for what I've seen, which is just the original cut of Justice League and Batman v Superman, I think he takes himself a little too seriously. Oh God, I just hit my mic. Um, and I think like either oh, I think there's two ends of the spectrum. He either takes himself too seriously, or he's trying to be campy. Like the, and then there's like no in between, and they don't go well together. Um, so like if he had more consistency, he honestly would be pretty good. And I think he does have some pretty good moments, but I think like there's this weird inconsistency between him that like you can't really like pinpoint some like some of his intentions all the time. Uh, apparently, he's pretty good in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, like the four hour one. Apparently they redeem him pretty well. Okay, I, I I heard they actually redeem most people pretty well, especially like Jason Momoa. That one we that one we got to get to yeah. soon. Um, I've heard the the only person they really do dirty is Wonder Woman. Hmm. Because she's kind of the like surrogate for plot, and they kind of oh. a lot of her points are just like, hey, stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so she kind of she's like the character who occasionally just gets. Yeah, but yeah, compared to like the original version, most people are a lot better. Right, I remember a lot of people talking about the the Joker scene 
Yes. In oh. the because that one was expanded upon or either either expanded upon or introduced in Zack Snyder's cut, right? Yeah, the um the epilogue is the the, the Joker part. Um they added a him in or that whole section in. Uh where like it's a jury it's another one that you've seen Batman v Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Remember there's that dream sequence uh you're like halfway through where it's like Batman in this wasteland. Right, and, and, he, and he's fighting a bunch of guys that yeah. ends with Superman killing him. It's another one of those scenes. Um, but um, it has more, like, um, uh, more heroes in it than just Batman. And, uh, yeah, like, they they show the Flash and, like, that kind of look. Mm. I think Cyborg, too. And then they showed Amber Heard, because originally she was going to be in more. Um... But now that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens with this Aquaman 2 thing. I heard they cut her out uh, for most of the movie already. But I, I have think... a feeling that's going to ruin the film. Yeah, I, I well, originally they cut... She was. I mean, she's the main character in the first one. But um, I think as, as of like a few weeks ago, they said we, she's down to 10 minutes in the movie. Interesting. Or less than. Uh, but I could see them trying to rewrite and cut her out completely. Yeah, my only worry is again it could it could ruin the film. I honestly, I I don't know because she might be in she might be in some integral plot points or yeah or yeah. background stuff. I don't know. Um, I mean, they could just re- rewrite and reshoot some parts. When is it? When was it originally? When is it slated now to come out? Do you know? December. Okay. So if they did reshoots, it would probably push it back, right? I yeah. Imagine. I think, um, yeah, James Wan and all the people making that have some interesting, uh, an interesting task in front of them. They do. They do. Um, plus that, I mean, that's coming out, out against like, I feel like that's coming out against something big. So like, honestly, pushing it back wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> it wouldn't. Is there a Marvel film in December? No, it's November. November. What is in December then? Uh, I think Avatar. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Which I, I um I don't think it'll make like big superhero waves, but I think uh it'll still kinda of have that intrigue to it. Well, like Val Kilmer's Batman, I'm gonna go get some drive through. And TJ's gonna go get some drive through. Yeah. So we gotta end this we gotta end this podcast here, but we will catch you on the next episode where we talk where we what am I saying? We're going on our second adventure with the Sauna Sundays. Yeah. Episode. We're going to talk about the Star Wars news that came out recently. Oh, yeah. And just kind of see where the conversation takes us. Sounds good. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Manic Movie Misfits podcast. See ya. See ya.